Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morning cup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. Scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning. Cup of murder. When you think of murder, you think of an individual who picks up a weapon and specifically targets another individual. But that isn't always the case. On September 21st, 1952, a young woman was born who would die at the hands of people who, despite being misguided, really thought they were doing what was best for her. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On September 21st, 1953, in Leibelfing, Bavaria, Anna Elizabeth Michelle, Annalise, to everyone who knew her, was born to Catholic parents Josef and Anna and three older sisters. 
Yosef and Anna, very strict in their Catholic beliefs, raised their girls using some of the more intense aspects of Catholicism. Rejecting the reformations of Vatican II, the Michel family believed that there was no easy atonement for sin, and one could not be forgiven just by simply atoning. Because of this, Annalise spent the winters sleeping on the cold wooden floors, hoping God saw her sacrifice and would take it as penance for the drug addicts of the world who lost their faith. The family went to Mass twice a week, and when they weren't at Mass, they were praying for those who they believed needed it most. When Annalise was 16 years old, she experienced her first seizure and was quickly diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy, which caused her both depression and psychosis. By June of 1970, she had her third seizure while staying at a psychiatric hospital and was prescribed Dilantin to try and alleviate the issue. It was unsuccessful, and Annalise began describing to the doctors the horrible devil faces she saw throughout the day, leading to a prescription change with medication that was supposed to help with things like schizophrenia, delusion, and disturbed behavior. Again, it seemed useless against Annalise's increasingly troubled mind. By 1973, the same year she graduated and entered university, Annalise's depression only grew worse. She began hallucinating while praying and complained to everyone about the voices she heard in her head, who told her she was damned and would rot in hell. Unsure what to do, the medical professionals working on her case continued to exhaust every option they had at their disposal. They placed her on medication that didn't work, put her in both long-term and short-term facilities with no result, and tried simple counseling, which didn't even scratch the surface. Soon, Annalise became intolerant to religious locations and objects like a crucifix, once going on a pilgrimage with a family friend and, when happening upon a Christian holy spring, said that she couldn't enter or drink from the spring because the soil burned her feet like fire. Reportedly gnashing her teeth while watching people pray at the shrine, averting her glance from any images of Christ, refusing to pass across the holy garden, and, according to a woman joining them on the journey, emitting a horrible, quote, hellish smell. This pilgrimage and Annalise's mental health history led the family to draw the only conclusion that made sense to them, possession. So her parents wrote to the Catholic Church, begging for their help with an exorcism. After five years of fruitless efforts, it seemed like their only option. By this time, Annalise was exhibiting more violent and physical reactions to things, displaying intense aggression, self-harm, and doing things like drinking her own urine and eating passing insects. She was given more intense antipsychotic drugs, none of which seemed to work, and Annalise began ripping at her clothing, growling in a terrifying guttural voice, throwing things, compulsively doing about 400 squats a day, barking like a dog, biting the head off a dead bird, and claiming to see demons invading her space. Things were getting worse, and the family was getting desperate. A priest named Ernst Alt finally made his way to the Michel family, and knowingly declared that Annalise, quote, didn't look like an epileptic, and believed the family's suspicions about possession was completely correct. His first-hand account of his visit with Annalise was enough for the church to finally grant an exorcism to be performed, in secret, by priest Arnold Renz. 
The first session began on September 24th, 1975, during which time Annalise spoke about, quote, dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the apostate priests of the modern church. For 10 months, Arnold Renz performed sessions for the young woman, her parents completely cutting off ties with medical professionals and letting everything lie in the hands of this priest. In total, Annalise went through 67 sessions, one to two each week for four hours each. During the sessions, Annalise revealed that she was being possessed by not one demon, but six, including Lucifer himself, Cain, Judas Iscariot, Adolf Hitler, Nero, and Fleischmann, demons who argued with one another through this increasingly weak young woman who had to be restrained so the priest could continue his work. On July 1st, 1976, 23-year-old Annalise Michel died in her home, weighing only 68 pounds, and it didn't take long for an autopsy to determine malnutrition and dehydration as her cause of death. According to those present during her sessions, at some point, she stopped eating, growing so weak that she needed help just to move around her room, contracting pneumonia in the process, and suffering from broken knees due to continuous genuflections. An investigation would later determine that her death could have been prevented even just one week prior. When news of her death reached the public, it soon became a national sensation, not just because of the exorcism, but because the two priests involved, Ernst Alt and Arnold Renz, and Annalise's own parents, were being charged with negligent homicide. During the trial, Annalise's body had to be exhumed for testing as tapes of the exorcism were presented and played for the jury to help justify the actions of those being charged. Medical professionals testified that Annalise was not possessed, but instead psychologically affected by her strict religious upbringing, and coupled with her epilepsy, was mimicking what her parents believed was demonic possession. Defended by lawyers sponsored by the church, the defense pointed out that exorcism, while rare, is not illegal, and that the German constitution protects citizens in the unrestricted exercise of their religious beliefs, which this case clearly fell under. At the end of the trial, all four parties were found guilty of manslaughter. During the trial, the state recommended that no one involved be jailed, but instead find the priests and let the parents go. The prosecution itself believed that they were exempt from punishment because, as they said, they had suffered enough already. They were sentenced to six months in jail and three years probation. Since the trial ended, Annalise was reburied in a more appropriate coffin, and her grave remains a pilgrimage site for some to this day. And in 2013, a fire broke out in the home where Annalise once lived with her family. Police believe it was arson attributed to the exorcism story. The case of Anna Elizabeth Michelle became the subject of three popular movies, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Requiem, and Annalise, The Exorcist Tapes. She has also become an icon for some Catholics who believe modern, secular interpretations of the Bible have been distorting the ancient truths. However, it did lower the number of officially sanctioned exorcisms in Germany in spite of some former Pope's support of the practice. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on September 22nd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. 
If you want to help support this podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.